Hey, well, uh, we're diving into a big chunk of text here in Luke. We're going to focus more on the first portion than the second because you can go back and listen to uh, the Easter talk, which is based on like the second portion. But I'm going to read all of it, so kind of buckle in and here we go. Uh, it's titled, The Man with Leprosy, this first section, and then the second is Jesus Heals a Paralytic. Verse 12 of Luke 5, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourselves to the priests. Offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Verse 17, one day as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law basically means the, the rulers, the religious people of the day, Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there, and the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. But when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we've seen remarkable things today. Wow, there's a lot there, right? There is a lot there. But the first thing I noticed is, and I just want to draw our attention back to it because we say, you know, there are three practices that really help you know that you are, how you're doing at your growing relationship with Jesus. Connecting, serving, and sharing, and do that over and over again. And, and it just jumps out of the text here. The, Jesus was in the towns, right? It says Jesus was in the towns. He was out connecting. It was His presence in community that allowed Him to be in a place where this leprous man could actually be healed. 
He saw Jesus because Jesus wasn't just hiding in a secret place of prayer all 33 years of his life so that he could be godly. No, he was out amongst the people in the towns connecting. And then it says quickly here, he reached out and touched the man. He served this man's needs, right? You always serve those you are connected to. And when you share life with people, you lay down everything to help them. And then Jesus ordered the many to offer, you know, he, he said, go and offer the sacrifices necessary to the, preach, to the priests. And his reasoning as a testimony to them, sharing. Share with the priests what happened. As a testimony, you've been healed. Even though he ordered the man not to, to share, news about him spread even more, and pe- more sick people came and were healed. Connecting, serving, sharing. It's just important to, to see that as we continue through the gospel because that's how we came up with the whole reality of, man, well, how do I know if I'm growing in my relationship with Jesus? Well, how are you doing at connecting and serving and sharing? So we'll come back to that every once in a while. So leprosy. What is this thing spoken of called leprosy? I think, you know, you could read about it in Scripture. It's, it's 68 times referenced in the Bible, 55 of those in the Old Testament and 13 of those in the New Testament. And, and you could go, what is exactly is this thing? And while lots of scholars kind of, you know, don't land at a precise meaning, uh, some translations would even say that this man was full of leprosy, that he was well advanced in the stage of leprosy. It's an interesting infectious skin disease. And even more than that, uh, they termed it in 1873 Hansen's disease. Um, Gerard or Gerhard Hansen, I can't read names, so, but, you know, I can hook on phonics. So, anyway, uh, Gerhard, that's the phonic pronunciation, but it might be Gerard or who knows. But anyway, this dude named Hansen named this disease because he did extensive study on the, the uh, bacterium of leprosy, and, and only at this point was a precise definition, if you would, brought to this disease. And for many centuries, it was considered to be a curse from God for your sins. Isn't that interesting? The interesting part is that it did not kill Neither did it seem to end. It just made you live in misery as it caused your tissue to degrade and, and uh, deformed your body. So many have thought leprosy to be a, just a skin disease, but it's literally a nervous system disease as well. It, this bacteria attacks the nerves, and, and so there's, it's transmitted through direct skin content or through uh, drainage from the nasal passages. So like... Want to shake my hand? Right? So that's like, that's totally the deal right there. Uh, that's how it was spread. So uh, its symptoms started with the skin, but then quickly worked its way to the nervous system as it attacked the, the brain and spinal cord. Patients with leprosy experienced uh, many skin deformations, even loss of like the nose and different things, but their main characteristic was the hook of their their hands. They became, they, it was called like they had the hook hands, 
And a lot of their deformities were caused because they lost feeling in their nerves. They could grab a boiling hot cup of coffee, spill it on their hand, and be totally unaware, and therefore lose skin. And, and so just interesting when you begin to, to study this and go, wow. So that's why they just wanted to get them out of town. Interesting when you look at the law put in place. Back in the day, Moses puts this law into place. Leviticus 13 and 14, you can read up on leprosy and mildew all that you want. They considered mildew a part of leprosy. It was kind of interesting. But anyway, uh, like lots of houses would, like you would just, oh, well, I guess I need to move out of town then. I've got a little bit of black mold in the bathroom, so this is not good. You know, but anyway, that's, this is what it says in, in Leviticus 13, 45 through 46. The person with such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes, let his hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of his face, and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as he has the infection, he remains unclean. He must live alone. He must live outside the camp. So they live in a social and physical prison. Leprosy. And this disease is the setting for the initial miracle here in Luke 5, 12, and gives us the main chunk of what I'm going to talk about in point number one of three lessons that we can learn from Jesus here, and that is the first one, Jesus is willing. Jesus is willing. This man has the audacity to break all the laws of the land, makes his way into the town. Remember it said Jesus was in the town. Makes his way where he's not supposed to be, right? He's supposed to be out of town. He's supposed to be alone. While still fully leprous, makes his way into town because he heard that Jesus was near. Makes his way to Jesus and says, if you are willing. He should have been saying, unclean, unclean, right? We just read the rules. Clothes torn, face covered, but he risked everything for his healing. Outcast, he had to leave his family. Just put yourself, just imagine the context here. Move out of town, become a beggar, couldn't make a living had to cover himself, live in shame, unkept hair. Everybody likes a good haircut. Got to trim myself yesterday. Anyway, it's marginalized, dejected, ignored, shunned, never approached. It's not a way to live. We should applaud the faith of this man even to explore the potential of being healed. Now, in that day, they could have stoned him, right, for doing what he did. But ultimately, although his external nerve system had most likely lost its sensation being fully leprous, his heart still had plenty of hope and feeling. He had not yet put his faith in Jesus as Lord, 
They were unaware of that at this moment in time. He was just aware that this dude named Jesus was healing people. He was exploring. He was putting himself out there. I began to think, what was, what was this like today? Like, if we put this in modern context, what is this like? In, in our context, this is somebody finally just responding to a conversation and, and saying, well, well, tell me about Jesus. Right? I mean, it's just mentioning Jesus in a public venue or maybe not becoming the fly on the wall, listening and hearing a couple people talk about Jesus, but like getting into the conversation and putting ourselves at risk of exploring more about what's in this Bible, exploring more about the Son of God, saying, well, so Jesus did what now? And I think oftentimes, you know, we can, we can think the big things to celebrate are like somebody making a decision to follow Jesus or somebody being baptized or somebody going into ministry or, you know, we could get that mode. But ultimately, this is, we should celebrate somebody just exploring faith. That's what this leprous man was doing. The next time you engage in conversation about faith in public, take a second to just realize Somebody's putting themselves out there to dialogue about Jesus. It really is, for a lot of people, a big step. And I don't think oftentimes we realize just how huge it may be for someone because they feel outcast, dejected, marginalized. Why should they go after Jesus? Maybe they feel like it's Jesus that's put them in the place they're at. And to even have the dialogue. Open life must celebrate these moments, and we must long, we must long deeply for people who are outcast to be touched by faith. Like it should just keep us awake at night to reach out to those who need Jesus' love. And uh, that's why we put ourselves out there and become present in the communities so that we can let people know, hey, whatever it is you're facing, Whatever's hit you in the past, no matter how outcast or marginalized or dejected you feel, Jesus is willing. This man went from curious to cured in a moment because Jesus was willing. So put your thinking mind on, your thinking cap here. What is a modern day? What is a modern day? leprosy, like socially. Who's, who's the outcast? Who in our world, like, finds themselves symbolically, if you will, cast out of relationship, cast out of the town? I made a little bit of a list as I started to contemplate it, but I'm sure you have a, a, a bunch yourselves. Pedophiles? the one sexual offense in our world that they say is not one known cured case. Homeless. In the video that will mess, mess you up when we get to the Good Samaritan passage in Luke that shows how invisible the homeless are to the average person. Slavery, 
the 27 million people that are enslaved, and it's becoming a little more visible. They're making, a, you know, going after the sex trafficking industry and, 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 and the slave labor industry, but oftentimes slaves feel like they're invisible, like there's no hope for them. They're cast outs. They're alone away from their family. What about those that are quarantined from infectious diseases, AIDS, drug addiction? Oftentimes, the families feel for their own defense. They have to cast them out, if you would. Tough love. Prostitution, which is really a form of sex slavery. The mentally ill. Dana and I got to meet with somebody who just was exploring faith and saying, hey, here's the deal. I just want you guys to pray for me. I know you're pastors, and, and uh, I just, I'm going to go public with the reality I've struggled with, the mental illnesses I've struggled with, and, and that's a lot to, to come back into town and, and share that because in the world today, you see billboards, and they're saying, man, somebody mentally ill, watch out, mass shooting ahead. They feel more and more and more outcast. It's trying to voice that there's some people who are dealing with their mental illness and are making a positive impact in society. Racism, hello NBA, right? Still alive and well, and and people find, okay, here's an interesting one that came to my mind of outcasts, Christians. More and more so in our society, if you voice something that is aligned with Scripture publicly, you can quickly find yourself cast out socially of a room. Jesus was willing to touch the untouchable and be with the outcast and the shunned. And we must think of that, and we must have eyes that see and ears that hear, those that are cast out, and have a heart of compassion. Just say, Jesus, give me a heart for those, because you're willing. His willingness is only made known through you and I. We are the ones that are His expression, that must act on the compassion given us from Jesus to make a difference in others. Wow. Jesus, by touching the man, he should have never done that. By touching this man, Jesus rendered himself unclean according to Moses' law. So now this man broke the law. Jesus broke the law. But the moment he was healed, there was no wrongdoing made completely well, commanded to go and give the sacrifice due for His complete healing. This willingness is only made known through you and I. We must be just as bold. And it's going to take risk, which brings up point number two. Jesus needed power for the opportunity. And verse 17 has messed with me for a long time. I don't know why, it just, that I read it one time and just like totally my curiosity went off the charts when it said of Jesus 
the power of the Lord was present for him, Jesus, to heal the sick. So even Jesus, the Son of God, needed the power of God to do the miracles he was doing. And it's no coincidence that verse 16 said, Jesus often went to lonely places to pray. He withdrew to pray. Why? Because that prayer is the key to the power, to being filled with the faith. I want to connect the dots. Let me read some passages. Just I'm going to rapid fire these. Acts 10.38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. How He went around doing good, healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with Him. James 5.13 says, is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing the happy song. Because I'm happy. No, I'm just kidding. That's not what it says. Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up if he has sinned. He will be forgiven. Doesn't verse 15 sound like exactly what Jesus did with the paralyzed individual? Let me read it again. Prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Take your mat up and walk, right? And the Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he'll be forgiven. So we're taught that not only does Jesus have that ability to help someone be in a place of forgiveness, you and I do just through prayer. Verse 16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Ephesians 3.20, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. We have that same power. For God did not, it says in 2 Timothy 1.7, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love and self-discipline. Ephesians 1.18, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and His incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of His mighty strength which he extended in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given not only in the present age but also in the one to come. This same power is ours today. So we read these stories about Jesus. We shouldn't think that was such a nice Jesus. So glad he could do that. He turns the tables and says, I've given this to you. You can do that. In fact, you're my representatives. When you see the outcasts, when you see the marginalized, when you see the sick, you should be moved with a heart to pray. And we should wait for the presence of God to pray for healing, that God would be present, the power we would sense that the Lord has given us a moment of favor to heal and pray for healing. I think it's so cool when people get it, and Jamie shared a story about her, her son and 
Last night, I was called to a, a residence where just a very unfortunate, untimely death occurred. And I show up to an unknown situation and walk in and praying with everybody. And, and I get a text from my 11-year-old daughter. And it simply says, tell the family that I will pray for them tonight and that God is with them. And she took the time to take a picture of John 3.16, which she's written out and has on the wall next to her bed. I went, God, how do you, how does an 11-year-old get it and so many of us don't? What makes us lose faith? What makes us stop being the one that would pray for the presence of God to heal the sick and to heal the hurting and the wounded hearts? Praying in the presence of God to heal the sick is just as important as praying for the sick, because we need the preparation. It's a both and, not an either or. Don't just pray in your closet. Let's pray for people. Final thought. Jesus saw their faith. Jesus saw their faith. You know, a quote that I heard many years ago, show me your friends and I'll show your, you your future. The person that said that over and over again was Jeannie Mayo. Show me your friends, and I will show you your future. And I shared that with so many youth over the years as a youth pastor, and I just, it's so very true. Your friends can make all the difference. And in this instance of the, of the paralytic, lowering their friend, their paralyzed friend, through the tiles of the roof, put them right at the feet of Jesus, made the difference of healing and salvation in his life. That's intense. Eternal promise was given to him. Forgiveness of his sins. You have the same mission and responsibility, and I would say joy and opportunity to bring your friends to Jesus. Some of you are wired very naturally to do it, but who are you carrying to Jesus? Because all around us, there are those who need brought to Jesus. Who are you placing at the feet of Jesus? Again, there's risk. Placing a man at the feet of Jesus was not just at the feet of Jesus. They were placing a man, well, they were first breaking and entering, <laughs> destruction of private property. I mean, there's all kinds of things that happened to get him at the feet of Jesus that like probably made some people angry in the room. And the religious rulers of the day hanging out there, there had to have been a struggle, but they risked everything placed him right at the feet of Jesus. And it's time we risk for our friends. It's just time we become that type of friend that would tear the roof apart for someone that we care about. Be the friend others truly need. And honestly, that last night, that voicemail on Open Life's voice message box was just a, a, a friend reaching out to a family 
that desperately needed comfort in Jesus and hope last night, having lost their loved one. And I look at that and I just go, oh my word, if we could all just be so willing to pray and do something, pick up a phone, call out for help, Lord, are you willing? And His grace will reach out and touch those around us, deliver us from things we never thought we could be removed from in our life, make us go from outcast to outspoken. He modeled for us how we should connect and serve and share, how we should love the world around us. And I just want to commission you to do the same. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we get to respond. And there's a few responses on that connection card. Hopefully everybody's filled out. And as they flip it over and look at their potential responses, if this video plays and as we go into a moment of, of worship and introspection just to, to stir our hearts and see how we should act, how we could become the friend, who we could pray for, how we could have our eyes open for the outcast and shunned in our society, God, give us the power we need to bring healing to the world around us because we know the answer. We carry an understanding that there's not one scenario, there's not one person in this world that is removed from your willingness to touch their life. We thank you for that promise in Jesus' name.